Pa was dead. The wind blew in from the ocean, breeze stiff and touched with October cold. It smelled of salt and fish, seaweed and decay. Moonlight sparkled from the waves, and lanterns lent false warmth to the scattered rock of the strand. But a part of me could see only the flat plains of Kansas, the rich earth of the fields, the fresh-painted house where I'd grown to manhood. At least others stood with me. Wyborn had asked me if I wanted to be alone, but I'd numbly said no, because what sort of wake had only one mourner? So Christine and Iskander rode out here with us in a carriage borrowed from Wyborn's father. I'd been so excited when Ma's letter appeared in the mail. I hadn't received any correspondence from my adoptive parents in over two years. Surely it was a sign they'd changed their minds, chosen to accept my love for another man after all. Or, at least, decided they'd loved me more than they hated what they saw as my sin. Perhaps they even wished me to visit. I was already considering train schedules as I tore open the envelope. But instead of a new beginning, the letter contained an end. Pa was dead. Heart trouble. Don't come for the funeral. For two years I thought he might change his mind. Believed, on some deep level I hadn't even recognized, he would. He'd come to understand I loved Wyborn, see our relationship wasn't just some venial sin, some perverse gratification of the flesh. It was too late. He'd never forgiven me. And now he never would. There came a soft splash from the heaving ocean. I'd guessed, when Wyborn chose the beach at night as the location for the wake, he meant to summon others. A surge of gratitude went through me nonetheless to see two ketoi rise from the waves. They were thin and wiry, their bodies nearly sexless beneath the scant covering of gold and jewels. A forest of tentacles, like the stinging arms of an anemone, sprouted from their heads in place of hair, and row upon row of shark's teeth filled their mouths. Bloody hell! Iskander whispered from his place behind Christine, well back from the incoming tide. Christine shushed him. One of the newcomers approached me with no hesitation, her stride made awkward by long, batrachian feet. Griffin, my dear boy, said my mother-in-law and embraced me. I'm so very sorry for your loss. Her skin felt like a dolphin's, sleek and firm. Thank you, Heliobel. I blinked rapidly. I refused to cry. Not in front of this gathering, intimate as it was. Niles sent a card of condolence. It was a stupid thing to say, and I cursed myself immediately. I didn't know if she thought often of the man who had been her husband on the land, the father of her four children, but I shouldn't have brought it up in case the reminder were in any way painful for her. She drew back and ran a clawed hand gently over my cheek. I'm not surprised. For all his faults, Niles always wished to do right by his family. Yes, I said, glad not to have hurt her. And she was right. Despite their damaged, angry relationship, Niles never tried to separate Wyborn from me.
attempt to convince Wyborn to enter into a convenient marriage with an heiress and keep me as a lover in the shadows? Yes. But from Niall's point of view, such an arrangement would only be practical. Many would agree with him. Pa wouldn't have. He believed in the sanctity of vows spoken before God. But he would never have believed the vows Wyborn and I spoke to each other on this very beach last year to be anything but blasphemous.